You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to episode 76 of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host, Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And on this week's show, We've got none other than Paul Douglas, a.k.a. Dougie, synonymous with basketball in Birmingham, but also the North East, as you're hearing this. He's kind of been adopted by the North East because of his uh, large part of his career. But he was a 13-year pro and has now got over 20 years uh, experience coaching, not just uh, in national leagues and academies, but also doing his own thing, his own entrepreneurial thing on the side uh, with sessions through All City Basketball. And he actually just announced last week that he was going to be stepping away from Aston Manor Academy, where he's been, I think, for the last uh, four or five years, um, to take the plunge into doing his own thing full time. So, uh, yeah, super exciting period. Uh, we didn't spend as much time as I would have planned to uh, on his own individual career and talking about his story because um, we spent a fair bit of time talking about basketball in Birmingham in general and then tied into his whole um, his own story. Obviously he was involved with uh, the Birmingham Knights uh, franchise, he was involved with the Birmingham Panthers franchise and he was involved with the Birmingham Bullets as a junior, um, the first uh, professional franchise in, in Birmingham. So a wealth of experience that uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure you will too. Before we get into the show, as always, please take two seconds to check out our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash H-O-O-P-S-F-I-X. There you can sign up to give us a monthly or annual contribution of as much or as little as you'd like to help us do the work that we're doing. We cannot do it without your support. Please go and check it out and consider uh, making a contribution. As always, let me know in the comments uh, what you think uh, on YouTube, what you think about what Dougie had to say and about basketball uh, in Birmingham in general. And if you want to reach out to me privately, you can hit me up on my email address, sam at hoopsfix.com, or you can reach me on every single social media platform at Hoopsfix. Anyway, that is enough from me. Here is this week's show with Paul Dougie Douglas. Dougie, welcome to the show. All right, how are you doing, Sam? All good. All good. Nice to be on. So there is a ton of stuff to go into both both historical and, and present day. Um, I normally go back to the start to begin with, but I did obviously see, I think it was just last week that you announced that you were leaving Aston Manor um, to focus on some of your own projects, which surprised me. So can you kind of talk about kind of what's going on there? What, what made you uh, to decide to make that jump? Well, there was um, a few things. I mean, uh, after, you know, going through the academies over for a couple of decades I didn't really want to get back into it and uh, I got approached by um, an old teammate called Dave Brown who's um, like head of um, sports at um, Aston Manor said that we're going to be starting a, uh, an academy and he came to me and he said you know could you give me a hand so it's kind of a favour sort of thing right to help him set it up and all the rest of that sort of stuff um, and then this year with the the workload and the things I would have been asked to do and all the rest of that sort of stuff. I kind of, I mean, you know me, Sam, man. I, I'll help anybody when it comes to basketball, right? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm kind of a, like a free spirit that way. But um, I look back on the reasons why I came back to Birmingham and uh, left sport development in Nottingham and said, I am, am I actually doing the things that I personally want to do? And those really took a, a backseat. So I made a, it was a tough decision. It wasn't easy, it was a tough decision. And I said, you know what, right? There's some things that are really close to my heart. So things that I really want to do for the basketball community, for the community in Birmingham and people around the country. And we'll converse on, on a regular. And I thought, you know what, right? It's time to put my money where my mouth is again. 
and um, you know, I'll see how see what it takes you, so to take the leap of faith and do it that way. So it's I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than that, right? But generally, that that that's the reason I thought that it's time for me to make the move and concentrate on the things that are dear to me. So, what are you going to be focusing on? Is that is that going to be all your projects with all City Ball? Yeah, it's um, th- there's a few things. There's you know, I, I don't know if you heard that. I, I did some started something called the Three Hundred Club, which is like a, a weekly shooting session, which it helps with my creativity. I'm quite creative like that, right? So I spend a, a few days looking at what happened in the NBA and the EuroLeague and those moves, and I said, right, I'll, I'll create something around that, something to keep the, the the players engaged in the session. Because in all due respect, and you know, like I said, I used to play, so. You know, you can't just do the same stuff over and over again. Is what going to keep you engaged? So, you know, that, um, extend that. But um, the, probably the, the biggest thing is the, the camps and the clinics and the events. Um, but I'm going to launch a, a program called um, Building the Athlete. And I spoke to some 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 people who used to play for me when they were younger. So people I've connected over, over the time. Um, and I've, I've got together a team of people who's a, a, a sports therapist, a uh, strength conditioning and nutritionist guy. Um, I've got a, a sports psychology, uh, sports psychologist or teacher sports psychology. Um, and myself, I think I'm good enough to take care of the technical and tactical side of it. So we cover the technical, tactical, the physical, the mental and nutrition side of what an athlete needs to be in basketball. Right. So um, I've um, partnered up with a, with a few people. Um, I'm just going through dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but I'll be launching an app later this month, right, which is there. It's subscription-based, but it's there for anybody. Don't care who you are, what level you're at, right, you can access what I have. Because, unfortunately, Birmingham's not London. So you, you just don't have that that um, that mass of, of players that can come to, to a particular. Birmingham's a little bit different that way. And I have a lot of people saying, that, no, I'd like to come down and use your shoot machine. I'd like to come down and do the 300 Club. But the distance is, is an issue. So I thought, looking at what's been happening in the um, in the lockdown, um, Zoom wasn't working for me. Um, I did a little bit of research. And funny enough, I had this idea back in 2001, right? But the technology just wasn't there because my background is athletics. I was really big. It was, it was athletics or basketball, which I was going to do. And um, they ended up doing a session outdoors in the rain. And I thought, nah. <laughs> I'm going to basketball, man. This is crazy. I'm not doing that, right? So I know the best athletes, their coaches are not normally in the same place as they are and they, they meet up once in a while. So, I've, you know, I've written a few things down back in 2000, 2001. I've never forgotten what it is. And now technology and the timing is right to put together. Yeah, so I'm just going through a couple of logos. Um, got a group meeting with everybody, put together like some videos and some other stuff, pile it through for, for an app and then launch it at the end of the month. Well, I was going to say, like, at the moment, with everything that has obviously happened over the last six months or so, uh, it almost feels like this is the opposite time to be doing, to be jumping out on your own. And people want that sort of the the longer term security of, of, uh, you know, whether it's an academy job or or whatever else. Like, you know, I know for me, being self-employed, the last six months has definitely been more challenging than it would have been if I was employed. Um, You know, does that not make you a little bit nervous or do you feel like, uh, actually, with the way things are going, like you were saying, with the technological advances and people, what people can access now is actually the perfect opportunity rather than a bad time. Um, I, I tick over at, at the end of the day, right? I tick over, right? So if it goes pear-shaped, right, 
I've, I've got enough to survive and what I do on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, I've never been the person that's ever been shy of, of being out of work, Sam. You know what I mean? There's always something that's good. If need be, I know I can be a, a, a mentor in the school, a mentor in the programme. Um, you know, the things of, you know, accessing funding to do certain things. You know, I come from a, a sports development background, right? So to, it just, for me personally, it's, it's maybe a couple of months, maybe three, four months, right, of, okay, there's nothing going out there to how they'll then adapt and evolve to what's out there that I can actually tap myself into. But I believe it will work. Um, whether or not it's an absolute, like, yo, I need to bring more people in because this is crazy, or it's something that just ticks over. For me, it's everything that I've always done has always started off small and has eventually got bigger and bigger. So I, I, I understand time. I understand growth. I understand, you know, it, it's big things come from small, from small seeds, right? So, you know, for me, I believe in it. And yes, it is tough, right? But um, as you know, I've never been short confidence, right? So, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you've, got to, you've got to believe that it will work, right? I think I've got a good product, right? Um, but there's, it's not the only thing. There'll be, I'll be doing my camps and my clinics and, you know, I've, I've got, um, I started something um, a couple of summers back um, called um, the All City Touring Club touring team and it's based on my, my time with uh, Midnight Madness right and it's you know like the you know people who don't get the normal exposure um, if you think you're good enough you know I will have try and create a, a, a similar pattern there's nothing going to be on the same scale as Midnight Madness I mean that was freaking unbelievable but you know Doggy's a little long version of it right so you know I can get people work with him in the summer holidays <clears throat> bring my team of people work in the aspects I know that they're really lacking help them try through my contacts and other people, see if they can maybe get some work abroad or work in the UK and just meet together on a regular basis, but do it properly. Just do it absolutely properly. You know, that you've got to register and you've got to, if you, don't, if you miss a registration, tough, it's actually, you miss it for the next time. So you know what we're like, man. It's like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll make that phone call. I'm not that guy. I'm sorry you missed it. Try next year. You know what I mean? It's just everything that my, my over the years, if there's one thing I've learned over the years, is that we're not prepared. Players are just not prepared. They do not understand the the industry they're going into. They are not prepared for some of the things that they have to do um, and expected to do. And I just feel that part of what I can do is to give back. And that giving back, right, if, if it's not money, if it's not kit, if it's not this, it's my knowledge. And, you know, and I was never, I wouldn't say I was a great player. I was decent, but, you know, I was around great players. And I always listened. I always listened and I always paid attention. And that's, I think that's my greatest gift, right, is that I, I kind of uh, aware of what goes on in the room. I try not to speak too much. As, as much as I know I like to talk in, in a room, I know my place, right? And if someone knows more than I do, I listen. Right. And I always ask questions, you know, like, so why would you want this? If I could do anything, could I do this? Blah, blah, blah. So just having a few conversations with, with a friend of mine, Des, right? I just said, you know what, let's try and do the, the touring team. So I'll invest more money into that as and when I get more money into um, developing a decent touring team. So we, we can maybe do some training camps abroad. Definitely do some training camps in, in the UK at the lighthouse where I'm based. And you know, just try and give the people, um, kids and and, uh, and and young younger players up to about 24, 25, the uh, 
the real opportunity to get this into inside my mind and the people I know around me. Like, so a good example was a kid came to me last week and he goes, um, you know, I, I was speaking to Carl Brown and I was thinking about trying to go over to Leicester Warriors. Like, oh, Lord, oh, give me the phone. Yo, Carl, I've got a, I've got a car. And you like to say, no, I know a few people, right? So, you know, it's a good kid, right? So I've got no problem making that phone call, you know? So it's, it's just stuff like that. So I made sure he's in the room when I talked about him to say, so he knew that, you know, you've got to act a certain way, you've got to be a certain way. Otherwise, you know, like Carl, just cut him off if he's not doing that. So I like to keep it real, real that way. But that that's that's is I like to have control of my own destiny moving to the future. But I'll still be helping people behind the scenes. I'll I'll still be doing a lot of stuff, right? And oh sorry, one other thing. I really got into video analysis. Right. So I've got some video analysis software. So part and parcel of what I'm doing with building the athlete is if, um, say to you, Sam, you know, you're like, listen, i got trouble with my shot. Um, can I send you a video? And I'd like, uh, I'll send you a video. I'll analyze it, kick it back to you, right? And then say, okay, work on these drills. I can send you drills or I can send you some practices or if it's just advice, it's a two-way thing via mm. text messaging. It's, it's really cool. It's, re it's really, really cool. That sounds exciting. I wish you all the best of it, of course. Um... One of the things you mentioned there, which I was going to get onto way later in the conversation, but I feel like seeing as we've touched upon it, was just uh, just Birmingham basketball in general. You know, when when I um, think of basketball in that area, you're one of the the names that is synonymous with it, and and of course uh, are very involved and have been involved, and I know you're very passionate about it. And you said there that sort of Birmingham is very different to London. Um, you know, w what do you think it is that? Uh, I guess is different about Birmingham when you're comparing it to London and maybe other cities. And then when you was, if you were to sort of talk about the landscape um, and why things are like they are, uh, what would you say about it? Um, it's, it's a t it's a tough one because I can be real controversial in what I'm what I'm going to what I could say. I'm not going to say. You know, they call me. I used to, I, you know, I used to play with Kenny Nottie, Joseph or Kenny, the, the eternal diplomat. And I think I've taken on his mantle, right? You know what I mean? Because if you if we're in closed door, I'm gonna tell you what I really think, right? You know what I mean? But in the public eye, but I'll try to put it in in a way so it makes sense to everybody. Um, Birmingham is very fractured, right? But I think the the biggest issue with Birmingham is that we always go back to how it used to be, right? You know, when we when it was Birmingham Bullets, we had this, we had that, blah blah blah. Back in the day, in the juniors, we had this, we had that. Well, okay, let, let, let's be honest about this. I, I'm a ex-Birmingham Bullet junior, right? So there was only two National League teams in the whole of the West Midlands, more or less, okay? There was Birmingham Bullets and there was a team in Samuel that came later on, right? So you either, if you were, if you were good, if you were the best, you played for Birmingham Bullets. If you didn't make the Birmingham Bullets team, you went over to Samuel, right? That, 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 that was it. There's not, now you've got... City of Birmingham, Team Birmingham, and I think there's a, there's a team over in Stalbridge. There's um, there's Bromsgrove, there's West Brom, right? There's there's so many teams, and I, I understand that because as time goes on, right? Within them programs, and, and I know this right because you know I started the basketball program in, in the northeast, and there's no junior stuff, right? So you're very um, protective of your of your own creation. You know, I created that. You know, you want to see it grow as big big as you can. And, you know, the people that have worked with other coaches, other programs, then split off and start their own program and then can be very protective about that. So you end up having little dots of it 
all around. And I'm not saying that those clubs are not ranked great. I, 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 I send kids all over. When the kids say to me, no, which club should I go to? I'm like, okay, where do you live? Right, what are you looking for? I think this is a good fit for you. I think that's, you probably won't like that one because the way the distance or the way the coaching style is, blah, 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 blah. And I think that for Birmingham, it tends to be, you know, what is the best um, version for it to be successful? And I think, it, and, I, and I found this out with Birmingham Knights, right? As soon as there's, there's one overarching um, organization, all of a sudden you start asking for things like, well, you shouldn't be asking for that. You should be saying, okay, we're going to support you. What's the best way for you to, for you to, to support? And I don't think we, we have that. It's real hard with the personalities of the people at each one of those organizations to come together as one and say, okay, we want the city to be good. We want the city to be the shining light. I think that's, I think that's what the, the, the major issue is because there's, like, so when I grew up, right, there was, um, I mean, I've, so, I've told this story so many times, you know, um, I played for England on the 17s and couldn't make my junior national league team. It was that strong. It, 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 I mean, it's crazy. You, you, that is unheard of, right? There was two of us, and I was playing under Honflong at the time, right, God rest his soul. And it was just too strong. You just couldn't make the team. You had the likes of um, Kevin Penny, George Branch, all those guys right in front. I mean, when they said under 18 men, under 19 men, they meant men. All right. You know what I mean? Where's your birth certificate? Because <laughs> you ain't no under 19. <laughs> what are you eating for breakfast? Like like rocks. You know what I mean? And, and I'm some skinny little kid, right, who's quite talented. You don't have that now. And, and I, I'm a great believer in the old um, African proverb or, or saying where it takes a village to raise a child. It's very rare that you get one player comes all the way through for a program. You know, they'll, they'll dip off, they'll try something, they'll come back. And we just need to, as a city, we just need to embrace the fact that a player is going to go on, on several journeys before it comes to a finished article. And, you know, like I say, back in the day, you know, I, I came from Birmingham, went to Newcastle, you got Dave Brown, went to Solent, you got Mike Landell, came back and went to Birmingham, went to Leicester, went to Derby. Dave Harris went to um, Manchester, to Calderdale. Steve Nelson went to Worthing, went to Newcastle. Martin Henlon, right, went to London Towers. There was such, and those are the players of my generation. We even talk about the players of the generations before me and after me. So Birmingham produced so many players and still do to a, a certain degree. I don't look at it as a club. I look at it as, you know, as a, as a whole entity that we produce through various contact with other coaches and programs. And unfortunately, it's we can't quite get the fact that we need to consolidate certain things to be able to move forward, right? And I, I get it. I, I understand it. But it's like sometimes you've got to think of what's, what's your long-term ambition, what's your long-term goal. It's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, the thing with, like, say, basketball England. What, what, what's your, your long-term goal? Right? Is it to grow as many kids as possible to play the game? Or is it to have a better standing in Europe in regards to the quality of your players? And for me, that that's the one thing I'm learning. Okay, what's your what's your end outcome? And then work back. Is it, if it, if it's a case of you want to be the best club in the city and you want to become a professional club, okay, fair enough, I get that. Right, but aim for that and then work back. And I, I know there's a few clubs that are, are thinking like that. 
But at some point, you're thinking that we'll go to another club and say, OK, can we amalgamate? You know, this is what we're, we're trying to do. And you've got to put all your stuff aside to say, OK, this is the bigger, big, bigger picture. I mean, I'll, I'll go another way. You've got Birmingham University, beautiful facility, right? I mean, absolutely beautiful facility. Um, why is there only like 50 and 100 seats? I mean, for me, that's short-sightedness, right? You, you would have, if you can put that up to maybe about 3,000 seats, right, if with the hall, just change the design, how much more could you actually bring into the city in regard to events, right? It's just, so, so I'm, I'm not going to say that we are short-minded or short-sighted. It's just that, you know, I, sometimes I feel like when people say, like, second city, and I'm like, I ain't second to anybody. Right, I don't live in a second city. I live, I live in Birmingham. Right, we're a big city. Right, I don't. No, I mean, second city again. My my backside. It ain't second city. Right, okay. Let's aim to be first. And for me, that's around the people that I've been lucky to be associated with. Right, second don't come into it. Like you know what I mean? It's like we want to be here. Let's work back to say again. Let's put the pieces in. So we're we're, we're too fractioned as a as a city in regards to our programs, and we need to come together as a whole. And say, you know, this is what we would like as a city, and let's willing to walk, talk to everybody. But the, the characters and it just doesn't work, not really. I was going to say when you talk about um, sort of consolidating and stuff, one of the things that I've probably changed my mind over uh, over the years, and particularly from speaking to Paul Blake, is just the fact that we actually need more clubs. You know, that's what's going to provide more opportunities for for players coming through. Is like in a lot of places there just isn't enough places to play, and by having those. Those places, uh, you're then going to create an environment where there's more players coming through and stuff like that. Do you think it's a case of not necessarily, you know, um, all the clubs that exist joining and becoming one, but in the sense of saying, okay, this is going to be the club that's focused on if you're elite, like this is where you go. Like kind of each one having a, a defined role within it so kind of everyone knows where they fit into the system. Or do you think actually, you know, it's a case of no, they, they do need to all come together under one banner and then work together to somehow push things forward, which, as you've said, is a very difficult thing to do when you've got so many different conflicting personalities with different agendas. No, I, I agree with you um, in the, the first point. I think you need to find out where you are within the system. Within you, you know, like if, if one club is very good at, at, at developing younger players, then that then that's your role, right? Um, I, I don't believe that if, you know, well, probably it's, it's probably the, the wrong phase to consolidate the whole lot together, right? But... It's it's kind of like de de developing a, a, a department, like, like like the pyramid, right? So like you say, that one club is the top. Everybody accepts that because they have the infrastructure and the way that it works, and you just work your way back down. You just just know where you are in the place. But you know, I mean, I've had, I've had this conversation like around the table with, with with people at the club, right? You know what I mean? With clubs, and it didn't go down too well. <laughs> we're talking about God, but that was my stick with Birmingham Panthers. So we're looking at two thousand six, two thousand seven when I used to travel over from Nottingham to Birmingham for the meetings and then go back to Nottingham. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, who wants to be top dog? I'm like, come on now. Like, I mean, everyone wants to be top dog. But I think that my time, my, my time in my journeys in Europe and playing in Europe, not playing teams, but, you know, playing in tournaments and that in Europe and listening to people is that, that community feel, right? So, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm working... With a, with my, little, my little program I run at the Lighthouse, right, and that and the other stuff that I do, I should be so proud that one of my players would go through to the next stage and, and play National League at this level or go and play for the first team at this level. You know, that that's that's how I fit into it, 
right? You know, that, that's, that's what I believe, that if everybody can say, okay, this, you're going to be the head coach of this particular program. We, we've all said, agree with that. These are our assistants. That's the, the um, elite, that's the performance angle, right? Let's go for the um, participation side of it right now. These guys do this, you play in this, you do that. Here's our angles. And just, that's what I mean probably by consolidate. Exactly what you're saying. Know your, know your role and do that the best as you can, right? Knowing that we all have a common goal, that we all want to see that team that represents our city, Right, doing the best it can, and, and, and again, that, that's going to be tough because there's a lot of there's a lot of personal. I've, I, this is what I've always found, right, over the years. Right, um, coaches win games; they think they're good. Right, you win games, you think you're good. Well, listen, people can say to me, "Well, Doug, what have you done lately?" I've done nothing lately. Right, the last thing I've won, right, was the the box one A with University of Birmingham. Right, and that that, that was a great that, that team. Now that team there. Next to my lot in Middlesbrough, that is the most talented team I've had, right? I mean, that, that team was tough, right? But at the end of the day, man, it's like, we've got to, you've got to, like, make a, make a decision on where you want to be and where you want to fit in. That, 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 that's what it is for me. It, it, it can't be the, the ego of, you know, I, I want to be the head of that. No, no, I want to be the good. And we want, I want to talk around saying, this is Birmingham basketball. We are. You know, we are tough, you know, because back in the days, like, no London man's come up to Birmingham and think they're coming and beating us. Like, you know what I mean? And, and the same vice versa, you know, Birmingham, the Birmingham guys, you know what I mean? And, and then when you're meeting afterwards, right, it's, it's, it's such respect, you know, for each other. No, no beef, no nothing. It was just good, old-fashioned, hard battles. It seems like we're having a battle amongst ourselves in here, but it's just crazy. It's, just, it's kind of imploding. Is this why you think? Is this where potentially you think that not having a pro club in Birmingham really hurts the rest of the sport? Because ultimately, you don't like. If there was a pro club, well, it's clear this is the top dog now. Like they're they're at the top of the tree. Everything else has got to then work out, but um, sort of where it fits in below it. But because there isn't uh, a franchise and hasn't been for what, what six years was Birmingham Knights when when it, I think yeah six years. Um, that's kind of what's allowed it to sort of end up carrying on playing out like it has been. Yeah, I was 100% on that, right? Because there isn't, a, I think, first and foremost, there's no established PBL club, professional club. I mean, it's, to have a, a new club come in, you're going to go through all the same problems as before, right? Okay, back in the day, Birmingham Bullets, you know, this team, or that team failed, and blah, 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 and all the rest of that malarkey, right? Okay, but if you've got an established, like, professional club, right, that makes a huge difference. Because, you know, I, I had, um, when they had the... Uh, the, the is it the Foot Locker Hoops um, store open up in Birmingham? I got a phone call. Um, like I said, most happens with if you coming to Birmingham, you need a doggy call, doggy take straight, right? So I speak to somebody and then said, Oh, you know, we've, um, we've, uh, who's it now? Um, Worcester Wolves, right? Worcester Wolves being the, the nearest BBO team, you know, obviously the Birmingham people, I said, they don't go down to Worcester. Worcester might as well be in the mood. <laughs> you don't understand. We ain't like that in Birmingham. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, although it's there, that, that's a 30, 30, it, people would rather drive to um, Leicester than drive to Worcester. Because Worcester is a trek, right? Leicester just like, oh, okay, just M6, boom, you're straight there, right? So, but to not have it on your doorstep, I mean, even when we were in Solid Hole, which is, you kind of classed as Birmingham, right? Right in the outskirts. Right, even for some people, it's a trek to go there, right? Which is, 
half hour drive in, in traffic, right? Maybe 45 minutes on, on, a, on, a, on a bus. That, that was a trick, right? You don't like to try that, right? So having the, the ability to come down and watch professionals train, speak to professional um, players, be around that environment is massive. I understand how important that is as a young player growing up, you know, you know, just, you know, hearing about um, Carte from passing away the other day, kind of, kind of really upset me, right? Because I ain't going to lie, people ask me who was my idol, man. I kind of forgot. Carte was my idol. I used to sit down and watch him and go and model my game on him, watch him train, the consummate professional, like all the rest of that stuff. That's not there. That That is not there. And even where it's from, uh, I mean, if I take it back again, um, I, at 14, I went to Coventry with my PE teacher, Mr. Bondo, and we saw Team Fiat play in Coventry Sports Centre. And you, you can imagine back in those days, man, there's smoke all over the place. People are smoking tabs. And I was, and this is all I can remember. I'm standing on the balcony with these, these massive beams, and I'm looking through the beams, and I'm seeing the smoke, and I'm seeing them playing, and I'm like, I want to be a basketball player. And that, that, that was the defining moment. I, I want to do that. Right, and I, yes, I get there. There are players who are out there will see something around Birmingham, but it, it's it's not the same influence, you know. what I mean, and at that time, I didn't know how much people were getting paid or how professional it was. I just wanted to know. I want to play in front of two thousand people, right, in an environment like that. Right, that's my dream, you know. Okay, and you're not going to get that here. I mean, hell, you, you're lucky you get 150 people at a game. In, um, in Birmingham, right? And it's a travesty, really, at the end of the day. And I'm not saying that they don't have the ambitions to go forward, right? But it's not as easy as saying, I want to be a, a professional team, I want to be a Division One team and then work your way up because, damn it, every other club that you play against has the same ambitions, right? So it's not an easy process, but you have to understand time that it's, it's going to take you to get there and make sure that everything you put in is helping you gain, get towards the end product, which is either being in Division One, right, or being a professional club, and then establish it. So, as as bad as it sounds, you know, Birmingham Bullets is on a little blot in a back memory, and we're talking about what this club is now doing and what they're trying to achieve and all the rest of that. Do you think, like, has there been like we, we the BBL has been quite clear about the fact that they want to expand and and and. Birmingham's one of the most obvious places that they would love a franchise. Um, do you know of any groups or people that are trying to make that happen anytime soon? Do you think we could ha- uh, see a BBL franchise in London, uh, in Birmingham, sorry, anytime soon? Yeah, well, I mean, I can't mention any names, right? But I've had maybe two, three phone, call, phone calls from people saying, you know, how do you think it would be? What's the the chances of it? Of, of, of being established in the club. And I say, I always say the same thing. Yeah, it'd be great. But if you're not coming here with any money, forget it. You know, you've got, you've got to come here with money. I mean, I don't want to speak bad about Birmingham Knights. I mean, let's say that the the um, the experiment flopped. Hey, listen, I was a flop. I didn't win a game. Golly, how do I not win a game, right? But hey, it's the way it goes, right? But you can't come in, and I've got a, bu- a budget, right? I'm not going to say what the budget is, right? Because I'm kind of embarrassed, right? But let's just say I remember playing against a team and one player had my budget. Wow. One player had my budget. And I'm not, and, and 
I know people behind that scene work their ass off to try and make it work, right? Yeah. But it, it didn't work, right? And the, one of the headlines I remember reading, it said, Coach Douglas, right, with Birmingham Knights, has to try and make water into wine. And I was like, he couldn't, he couldn't have written that statement any better, right? Any better. Because if you're not going to come in, and, and, and as bad as it seems, it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier on, okay? I'm coming with some money, right? Some money, right? And we're going to do this. And if you're not going to fall in line, we're just going to cre create our own. We don't want to create our own, right? We want to engulf this. We want to encompass everybody and say, know where you are. But if you're not, I'm going to do this, right? And I think it has to be that hard man approach because if it's softy, softy, right, then I think people take advantage of that. And I've been, and I've been in them conversations, Sam, right, and it's drawn out. It's never, I, I, I would, being quite a diplomatic person, I would change my tact and say, we're going to do this, this, this. Are you in or are you out? That's how I'd be. You're in, you're out. Okay, if you're in, this is how we're going to help you. If you're out, can't help you. But you can come back in if you want to. And when you realize the error of your ways, right? But this is how it has to be. Because if you come in half-assed, I swear that ain't going to work. And I've seen it with, with um, Panthers. And I've seen it with, with Birmingham Knights. Yeah. Right? So I'm not just saying this because maybe that was my old style of coaching. Right? You do as I say or else. I just think that seeing both sides or seeing how it's worked, the last two professional clubs, I think you've got to come in knowing that money is not an issue. Right. Okay. We've got backing. We're not going to be trying to go out there and find the money. We've got our own backers. Yes, we want more sponsors coming in, but we've got that sorted out. That that's not an issue. Now this is our plan. We'd like you to buy in. And if you're not, it's like sort of like a hostile takeover. If you ain't, it's gonna happen whether you like it or not. But trust me, if you're not involved, you are not gonna like what's going on. Right? We'd rather have you in. Right. And I think if you keep your own autonomy as who you are as a club right then it's all good right mm -hmm. rather than me coming and saying no you're gonna have to act this way i want to be under the umbrella but keep doing what you're doing but everybody understands like you said this is where you fit into the although if it's not going like that right it ain't working i think i'll i'll, I'll stake my reputation no I'm reputation something my reputation that works here <laughs> right well it's it's i'll stake i'll tell you what i'll stake my, my most prized possession right my um my um I did Air Force Ones I got when I was in Lakers with the that was my most prized possession I've ever been put my feet. I'll stake those, right? It will not work. Yeah. I was I was gonna say that um the stuff you're saying it reminds me the first podcast uh, I did with Martin Henlon, this was a few years ago, and we were talking about British basketball rather than basketball particularly in Birmingham. But the the headline that we ended up the title we ended up going with was that British basketball needs to be a dictatorship, you know, and it needs to it needs to basically say, This is the direction we're going you either jump on board and you're with us and we're going to make it happen or you get left behind. And I think, uh, you know, whether it's whether it's in Birmingham or whether it's the sport as a whole, having that clear direction, uh, the leadership at the top just saying this is where we're going um, is something that is, you know, massively necessary. Um, so, yeah, just quickly on the, on the Birmingham Knights, like my just for context for people, because my memory of it, this was like back in 2011, I think, was when the franchise was first announced. 
And then there was these, you know, two, three years that passed where it was like, are they going to enter this season? And it was Oakland's consultancy, I think, was the group that were kind of behind it. And of course, it didn't end up happening until 2013. I remember there were just countless problems with a venue. That was one of the biggest issues, uh, trying to get somewhere to actually play with enough seats and, and everything else. Um, but I guess from, from your standpoint, like, what are the biggest lessons, you know, for anyone that, that was trying to set up a BBL franchise uh and you were to say, okay, these are the things that you need to make sure before you go in, these are the things that you've got to have taken care of, you know? Uh, what do you think those are? Well, well I say number one, make sure you've got some money. <laughs> because unfortunately, what you say, money talks, right? Money definitely talks. And you've got to secure a venue, right? Because, I mean, at the 11th hour, when we had um, Doug Ellis at... Um, Birmingham City University, and we had that, bought the seats. All of a sudden, it was like, we don't want those seats in the venue. We, we don't, it's just, it's like every excuse that was on the book not to have us in there, right, was just out. And in the end, it was like, that's, we're not having you in, that's it, boom. Okay, so that's great. Where do you have a venue? And then you're literally bouncing around where, you know, is there anywhere in Birmingham, <laughs> is there anywhere in Birmingham that's big enough to hold a professional club? Should that conversation even be in there? That, 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 okay, right. So is it going to, can we go to NIA, right? Or the Barclay Academy? No. Can we go to NEC? No. Can we, um, where else is there? Um, uh, oh, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? So we end up going up to, um, was it North Soyol Sports Centre? Um, and even, I would say even that was, was an ideal, right? You know, we had to put new markings on the floor, change the rings, change the backboards, do the, do the whole thing to make it work, right? You know, it's well, so you need money, you need um, a venue, right? For sure, and you need to hire people and professionals in their particular field, right? I think that's the one thing I learned from that first year with um, that, that, that with Newcastle Eagles, right? You know, like they, they had a team of people that were very good at what they did, right? So that you know, you ain't got the I'm gonna do like not me now as as a, as, a, as my little old little old busy all city basketball right. I've got to, to do the videos, do the marketing, do the publicity, speak to the people, speak to the parents. You know that that can't work, right? It's like you know you've got to have people who are very good in in their particular in their particular fields to create an organisation. Your job, your role is to do X, Y, and Z, and then and then need to take care of um, the marketing of your, your perception within. The area itself, you know, you know, you know, because the question is always going to come up, you know, uh, uh, what, what was it? Um, what they call it, spin doctor, right? Is the person that you know you come in there like, okay, so you know, it's always it's always been bad in the past, you know? Why? Do you, oh no, we're going to be different because they're, they're, they're going to be very charismatic, you know, all, all that sort of thing, right? To then put it for the future. But you know, for me, though, the main things, the, the other stuff is is here and there, you know, you know, what teams do, good schools program, good community program. Um, good relationship with with um, within the city itself. Good good relationship with uh, local authorities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, white and white, as a, as the saying goes. Um, but if you ain't got money, if you ain't got a decent facility, which is which is struggling right now still, um, if you haven't got a a good team of people right behind you who know what their role is, and I'm not saying that. Um, Birmingham Knights didn't have that because I thought the team of people behind it were excellent. I will not have a bad word said about those people because those, those people put their heart and soul into, into that game. It was just an experiment that went wrong. You know, we, we, all, we all do that. 
if, if they had the right people, where did it go wrong just not being able to raise the money they anticipate? Like, if you were to look at their business plan initially and saying, this is what we're going to do, this is the projections over the next five years or whatever it is, like, where did it fail? I, I think that the, the we just didn't get the sponsors in that we thought we would get. Right. And that, that was a very similar story with the London City Royals. I know they anticipated having a ton of revenue from sponsorship and it just never came. They were never able to no, raise no, it. No, it does. Uh, yeah, and, and I... Um, and like I said before, man, I, I learn a lot from watching. I've always been that person. You know, I, I think if you if you just go out into the city centre and just watch people, man, that's more entertaining than bloody EastEnders and bloody whatever on TV, right? You can learn a lot from that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like um, it's like you said, when you first did, you know, set up Hoops Fix and all the rest of that sort of stuff, right? You had a vision that I'll be able to do this, this and this. It's, it's, that, it's that initial, yeah, 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 we'll get it worked, we'll get it done. The reality is it's, it's, a, it's a lot harder <laughs> The, the, what it seems, right? And as much as you think that you have a product, you they're going to go and convince somebody else to part with their money to come in in that, right? That's a, a whole new story of that, right? So, you know, I, I, I like I was, I was I'm, I'm in the office. I know what was done, right? I know how much work those people in, and I know how frustrated was. And had the late night phone calls, and we're going in, and everybody put a brave face on. But you know, it, for me, that's the the, the biggest reason because. Even when I realised I had to make some changes, it was like, well, you're going to have to go with that dog, right? Because there ain't no money, right? So, I mean, we had no money to start off with, but there ain't no money, right? So, you know, even, even that is having some sort of marketing plan, and, and especially now, man, with the, you know, Mr. COVID-19, right? It's going to be even tougher to, to people to part with their, their money now, even if you're a fan or you're a business. You know, it's it's so much harder it is now. But for me, if I was to put the one, the one, the one point, if the one thing, I was like, nah, it's, you know, we, we just never got the the support from businesses and surrounding organisations that would have would have helped it at least get a second year, maybe a third year, right? But the the people in that organisation are just they were just spot on, just just didn't work. I mean, we've all done that. It just the project just didn't work for whatever reason, just didn't work. So the big thing on the horizon for, for Birmingham is the Commonwealth Games in 2022. Uh, of course, it's going to be three-on-three three as opposed to the traditional five-on-five five format. When you, I mean, I don't know what exactly is going on on the ground there. Uh, do you feel like that has a potential to potentially bring things together, to change things for basketball in Birmingham, to drive things forward? Um, kind of what are you seeing now? Do you see things starting to happen? Like kind of what's your... I guess gut feel about it. Well, okay. I I I've seen a little bit, okay. But I'm gonna make a statement now, and people can shout me down or not shout me down, right? Okay. You said it before, and I know it from things that coming to Birmingham, right, in the past, right? Okay. I'm not exactly a person who is not experienced. I'm not exactly a person who hasn't been around the block a little bit, right? But no one's ever come and asked me what my thoughts are, right? Now, maybe they don't like the way I say it. Maybe I'm, because I'm not with a, an Ashton League club or any particular club, that maybe my voice doesn't count, maybe is insignificant, right? But I, I'm, I guess what I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak for the truth, right, right here now, right, is that I think it's massive for Birmingham, right, in regards of, what it could do for sport, 
Okay, not what it can do for the economy and all the rest of that stuff, but what it can do for sport. Now, my biggest bugbear of all the stuff that we have when we have major events around, we all talk about is what's the legacy, what happens when it's gone. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it down to when I went to LA with Midnight Madness, right? Okay, we were I mean, I'll say the story's quite long, right? But we walked into this facility, um, Sam, freaking, you mean, you know, Jesse Boot? Yeah. The old, like, yeah. I walked in, it was like that, right? Black floor, black everything, all done out, seat for 300 people, right? Just, just, just lovely, right? Once the event had finished, it was the 25th anniversary of the Air Force Ones, once it had finished, all that they had in that hall got donated to a local boys club. Just, now that's yours. You take that. That's our, you know. We come in here, take that. That can go on for the future, right? What does Birmingham have, right? Let me go back to my time in Newcastle. So I left Newcastle in 2000, right? Went over to Middlesbrough. It, then in 2000, there was two courts in Exhibition Park. There was another court um, just behind the... Um, the, the the hospital in the city centre, right, behind Eldon Square, right? But after you finish work, that's where everybody went to. Like, if you want to go play basketball in the outdoor courts, on certain nights, you went there. I had, I had a session. Uh, I got some courts built up, um, some, some sorry, not courts. I had some um, rings put on the local court by me. Looking up, I worked for the council. It was quite easy, right? I had two rings put on there. On a Sunday, everybody used to come down to there, Right? I'm not saying I know everything goes on in Birmingham, right? But I don't know where the core where everybody goes down to. Right? Where is the outdoor court? Where is our showcase facility? You can't tell me that. Um, and I look at what you know, what you're you're trying to build. The the, the outdoor courts are coming to other areas and all the rest of that. But I ain't saying there's nothing much, man. Listen, just come across, right? Screen the floor, right? Put new markings on. Put new rings on. Blah blah blah. Bob's your uncle. I've had. Three conversations with people about how we want to come into Birmingham and we want to do this with a court, blah, 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 right? And for, for whatever reason, it's never quite hit off, right? And respect to those people even reaching out to me in the first place, right? Because I ain't got no affiliation to anybody. I don't care who it is. I just want what's best for the community. Hence why I've, I've left Aston Manor because for me, it's what, what, what can I do to make basketball better and more accessible for the community? There are various venues where you could put Two outdoor half courts, only have to be four courts, two half the put seating on, right, and still have enough space to have a um, five aside or uh, something else. I mean, huge spaces right in the centre, two minutes from the um, the M6, easy access from the motorway, easy access by by um, car, easy access by, um, by, by train and by bus. I can't see what's happening, right? If there's going to be something that's going to come out of um, the Commonwealth Games for Birmingham. We've got to have a series of outdoor courts, right, where we can continue to play 3v3. Not even 5v5. I mean, uh, full court. 3v3, 4v4. Establish it. I have, I have a little thing now, right, where I know, you know, you put something about, um, you know, you might start, you might put a, you might put a, a 3v3 league in, right? Okay. The real, you know, you know what I said. Okay. But I, I go to my session on a on a on a Thursday at the lighthouse and I just go ball out rules. Everybody knows exactly what it is. It's not even free with free. I got ball out rules. Right? I didn't wanna 
Shout out Julius Joseph, man. Shout out Julius Joseph. He's the man. He's the man, right? You know, so for me, um, anyway, rant's over, right? If there's going to be if there's going to be a legacy, right, there has to be something where we can access it on a on a on a permanent basis. But I think that the um, being in the middle of it, right, you can see the, um, the 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 building of the motorways and the region of the motorways is having a major effect, right, within the city because you know where where we are in in the lighthouse is right smack halfway between. Um, where it is at Perry Bar, where the um, Alexander Stadium is, halfway to where the the, the basketball is actually going to be played. Is it a Millennium Park or whatever it is from there? Right, yeah, we're swapping back over the name, So the, the roadworks yeah. are, are there crazy. I've even seen like a um, a bigger um, increase on the the amount of um, publicity and marketing going out about this. This is what we're doing and, and the different sports and rest of that. Right, but as as a whole. And I'm going to be absolutely honest here, as a whole, as momentum, right, from the, the people that I see on a day-to-day basis, right, they don't know much about it. Mm. Mm. Right? So if you're, if you're in a National League club, fine, right? But, and I think that's what the issue is. You know, the, the, we assume that there's so many people that play National League and playing clubs, right, but there must be at least treble that amount who don't, who just play for fun, right? Who do not want to get involved in the club, they just want to go and access a facility or access somewhere to go play outdoors, right? And, you know, you, I know that going going to the ball out, out finals and you're seeing that down there, I mean, every every major city should have one of those, hands down, mm-hmm. right? So I think as, as a, there should be people who know what they're talking about, people who have a history, people who can actually give some, some solid input. And I think that's what the issue is. It shouldn't always just be one particular outfit or you should have a... Um, okay, let me, let me take you back. Um, I, I've, I've sat on a, 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 like a, a housing committee, right, about what's going to be happening with the Commonwealth Games and there's experts from everybody there, right? Why can't that be with the basketball? Why does it have to be one particular thing, right? I choose not to be involved in the National League programme. Right, I choose to, right? Probably because, well, there was definitely because I've since Birmingham Knights, I can't even enjoy my weekends by myself. So I get to spend time with the family. You know, you know how crazy it gets, right? Yeah. Spend time with the family, and I, I enjoy going around to different clubs and watch what it is, right? So I choose not to be involved in National League um, clubs, but that doesn't mean to say that my expertise, right, is is not a case in here. That's why you know who I am, right? But if I'm another club, I'm not going to turn and say I'll get Dougie involved. Why would you, right, right? But at the at the end of the day, right, it's that okay. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are this. Even if it's just the one time. My thoughts are this. Love them or leave them, right? Get on with your job, right? But from a, from purely from a community point of view, which is what, what the Commonwealth Games is about, really, right? You know how how is the community going to benefit, right, from basketball three v three, which I think is great, right, uh, and I like it as a product. Right? How's the basketball community gonna um, benefit once it's gone? It can't be the same. We can't make the same mistakes as, as last time. Is the am I? I don't know. If this might be completely way off, but am I right in thinking that the venue is going to be temporarily constructed for for specifically for the games rather than being a permanent thing? Because yeah. I think that that's the way I take it, right? Because where it is, I mean, don't get me wrong, man. If if where they having it. Right, if that was permanent, 
I'm, I'm like, yo, I'm down there every weekend. I'm taking Nipper down there. You know what I mean? Because it'd be, it'd be a great venue to go to, right? It'd be a great place to go to, right? But we have to have some, some I mean, maybe in Birmingham, London's a bit different, right? Because there's loads of little cities, right? But, you know, but there's, if, you, if you're in this area, you go to here. If you're in this area, you go to here. You know, this is where the ball is being played, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I know there are areas in Birmingham where a lot of basketball is, is you know, outdoor basketball is being played. Just around the corner from me, there's, there's kids travel from, um, Okay, Warsaw's about 15, 15 miles. We'll travel down to play basketball. And, and I know on a Sunday, it's chocker. It's like, if anyone's played football, get off. Right? It's, football is not allowed. It's right behind his house in the state. It's you. Like that. But I think you've got to be in a know to know that. I only know that because I drive past it, you know, to go to got me son. Right? But um, but there's no, there's got to be a central venue, right? Somewhere in and around Birmingham, right? It's the centre of Birmingham, which is like, this is where we're going to go to ball. Mm. Right, and, I, and, I, and I'm and I'm I'm not talking about um, some little just like all painted or court. I know I'm like no no no, make it pocket, right? Make it make it. I'm like come on now, like let's go make it. I went to Venice Beach, man. Where's our, where's our little bench rows of seats? Where's our little seats? You know, where where the coloured court will rest at both sides. You know, so we can put good events on outside. We can do all that sort of stuff. Um, I used to run a three and three tournament in the centre of Nottingham. Right in in not in the square, right? I know how, how popular it is when you're just playing people around watching. You know, yeah. sitting down having, sitting down at lunchtime having their little melon, whatever it is, right? Their little little dajing tea or whatever it is, right? Let's sit down and watch the basketball with the kids. You know what I mean? Like, I know how good it is, right? So, you know, the impact of what that will have in the basketball community, well, you you'll get even more kids, and, and that, that's what I mean. You get even more kids who then be inspired to go and play and train a little bit more, right? To then go on this team you never know who that person can be you know who's going to be um, inspired just by watching the older kids play on the court it really is and I think that I think they might be missing one there yeah well, hopefully we'll see see some more plans coming coming together I, I there have been rumors of potential uh, I know that I've had a few conversations with people that were talking about potentially trying to do something in Birmingham uh, especially with the run up to the Commonwealth Games but yeah at the moment I don't think there's anything set in stone so we'll see we'll see what happens over the over the coming, what, it's a year, there's a couple of years, year and a half-ish, uh, so there's a bit of time still. So, we've gone into the depths of Birmingham basketball. Let's just talk about you a little bit more now. Um, let's, let's, do the, let's do the rewind, go back into the history books, uh, and just start with kind of your, your initial exposure to the game and actually how you first started playing basketball. Well, it was... Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know what I mean, man? I'm full of stories, right? So... Um, I mean, I was, I was, I was, man, I don't, I don't put it bluntly, man. I was doo doo. Doo I was terrible. I was um, more or less 5'10, 5'9, 5'10 as a year seven, right? Um, I was quick as, I mean, I ran 11.9 meters, right, as a year seven, right? More or less the fastest kid in Birmingham. Um, when I was a year eight, struck year nine, I'm jumping like 195 high jump, right? Um, but I couldn't play a lick, mate. Right, first year, I remember the first game was, um, first game almost took me about 10 attempts. I could, I don't remember the whole game, I just remember this one this one aspect, right? It was 10 attempts, shoot, rebound, shoot, rebound, shoot, rebound, put it in, two points, first game. Um and I tell this story all the time, right? So I might as well tell it to the your, your, your listeners and your viewers. Um, I was just sitting in metalwork, 
and the teacher comes across and he goes, we're going to make, you got a project. You can do uh, a toolbox. Um, I don't know. You can make um, whatever it is you make, right? He goes, you know, not them days. Douglas, what are you making? And I went, basketball ring, sir. He's like, basketball ring? And I do not know where the hell that came from, but I just blurted it out, considering I was so rubbish. I blurted it out, right? And I made this basketball ring. It was set an angle like that. It wasn't even 90 degrees. It was set like that, right? It wasn't a complete circle. I got a C minus for it, okay? But uh, my dad was never really into My dad wanted me to um, do cricket or boxing, right? He was like into this basketball, basketball, basketball business. Why, 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 you know what I mean? It wasn't even interesting. But he let me put the ring on the outdoor. On, on the wall, right? And I kid you not, whatever my teacher told me, Mr. Bundock, right? I don't know where he is now, right? But he had a, he had a huge influence on me in basketball-wise because he, he obviously knew what he was talking about. I don't know what standard he was, but now I know he knew what he was talking about, right? And um, I used to go outside, I used to practice my shooting, whatever it is, all the time. So I went from being the worst guy on the team to year, year eight, being the best player on the team, scoring you know, like 30 other game, to um, year nine, being voted the best player in Birmingham, right? Um, to then making England the 15s and the 17s, what have you. I went, I went to Albert Schwartz with, uh, with Carl Brown, Dave Brown, um, all that, right? Had some really good experiences, you know, met some really good people. So kind of, kind of like snow, snow, snowballed on, on from there. Um, but I, I was really into the I was really into the athlete. I was just I was just a very, very, very good. You know, the typical inner city kid, right? You know, black kids. You know, always good, fast, quick, all that sort of jump. That that was me. I was I was that kid. But I was a bit of a troublemaker. Though. I was always let my mouth get into trouble, right? You, you you blink, you look at me the wrong way. I'm ready for a fight. So I also had that. Okay, you said that's still talking. They're always angry. Them kids that were always angry. So I was angry. I was I was a. Uh, um, I was angry. I always wanted to play. I always wanted to fight. But I just loved the game. Just loved the game. And I used to go on a Friday. Shout out to Pete Mintoff. He used to run a session at the um, BAI on a, on, a, on a Friday. And we used to go down there and he used to teach us these moves and let us play. And, and these are the days where, you know, you, you couldn't watch um, NBA on TV. There's none of that. No videos. And he used to have these basketball posters. And every time you, if he taught a move... And every time you did that move and scored, you get a poster. So you get everybody coming down, telling you a jump step, shot fake, step through. You know, everybody trying to get, yeah, got the poster, got the poster, because it's the only way you're going to do with basketball. So, you know, we just go there on a Friday. And, and then eventually, I can't remember how it happened. I, I ended up um, going to uh, Birmingham Bullets with, with Dave Fisher, right? And um, just training with them. And just, and that's when it took off, because then you got, and in my generation, it was Ken Scott, Mike Landell, um, Tony Penny, God rest his soul. Um, Gary Smith was just below us. Um, Dave Brown, um, oh gosh, and above us was Clive Watson, God rest his soul. Um, Kevin Penny, George Branch, um, Paul Tennant. These are dudes, man. These are like how I'm built now. I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> And, and they used to keep us straight. So anytime anybody used to mess about, no, you're not doing that. So my first view of you know, what it takes to be physically better and all the rest of that, right, came through watching them guys at Birmingham Bullets, the, the, the you know, year or two years above me, because we used to watch them train beforehand and then we go train, right? So, you know, when we copied moves, we copied what they did, 
rather than what we saw on TV. So, you know, that that was that was my my my, my first major introduction. Oh, sorry, and uh, the, the joke is, I mean, you couldn't do this now. So I used to get guys who come to my school way outside the school gates and go, are you doggy? And I'd be like, yeah. And he goes, can you come play for my club? Right? And you couldn't do that now, did you? <laughs> you could not do that now. So, um, I, I mean, I, could, I lost counting amount of times people used to do that, right? So what happened was a guy called Dave Slade came across. And he, he refereed for a little while, uh, a club called Hollyhead in, in Hansworth. And um, he asked me, and I said, if my dad says yes, then yes. So he, we went to my house. My dad says, you pick him up from the house, you drop him off at the house, he's ready to go. He said, yeah, that was it. And then I, and this was at 14. So I'm playing men's local league at 14, right? Um, training with um, a school team. Um, trained with Birmingham Bullets juniors, right, and all that at 14 years of age. So, and in that in that in that team, we had half of the Birmingham Bullets players above me, ex Birmingham Bullet players, ex England and GB internationals, ex referees. Everybody was in that right. I got uh, it was literally like a sponge. I got so much information pushed at me, and all of us. It was me, Mike Landell, um Ken Scott. Um, Brown, oh God, it was Paul Brown. Paul Brown could play. Bloody hell, what player he was. Right, we all those, we were on the same team. So, and I used to get myself into trouble. I used to go up on the high street robbing and everything. And as soon as I, yeah, I'm telling you, I was, I was a naughty kid, right? And as soon as I got together with that group there, that was it. That, that was my fo focus from there, right from there. And it was never about being a professional. It was about, if you're stepping on the court with us, boy, are we going to kick your ass, mate. Like, we're really going to murder you. And, that, and that's all that we wanted to be. We just wanted the best players and to smash anybody that came onto the court, no matter where you were from. And training, oh, my life. Training was war. Training was war. I, I just, that's the one thing I don't see nowadays, right? Training, when we went 5v5, you pay money to go watch that play. Especially when you're trying to, you see Ken Scott coming out. Right? There's no way on earth you know, was going to try and block that. And he gets his chest above him. You know, he, he had... I mean, he's... <laughs> Ken Scott could jump, boy, all my life. Anyway, yeah, so, that, so, that was our story. Uh, you know, you said that the, the, the kind of the aspiration wasn't necessarily professional. It was just focusing on beating who's in front of you and the sort of the, the competitive side of things. At what point did it switch to kind of this is what you want to pursue and have a career out of it? The thing is, when, um, when I got caught from Birmingham Bullets at 19, right, um, I played my rookie year because then days, if you weren't, Nineteen. If you were nineteen, after was it? Yeah. If you were nineteen before f December thirty first, you couldn't get an extra. You couldn't play that year, right? But if you was nineteen in the in the following year, the second half of the season, you could actually play that season. So you'd have people in the same year group at school, right? One could play and one couldn't play. So you know, my, some of my friends were playing for Birmingham Bullets Juniors, my, my teammates, and I was playing for the seniors. I was one of only not. I think it was one of the two players who went from went all the way up from the junior system up into the seniors, right? Um, but I think it was when I got cut then, and I played um, I played in a, a central central league game. I think it was right. I was playing for playing for T, uh, Pete Mintoff, and we played against Loughborough University. And I was I think I was still 19, but I hit 55 in that game. <laughs> Right, yeah, I hit 55 in that game and missed an elbow jump shot to win it, right? And literally, a couple of days later, I got a phone call from Gary Smith, right? And he goes, uh, I'm in Newcastle. 
right? And the coach is looking for um, coach is looking for a player who can score. And I'm like, I just scored 55. I can score, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I goes I goes up there, right? And I swear I could hit the side of a barn, mate. I could not. I could not make. I was missing layups. So like, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. But um, one one thing we always got taught in um, with with Dave Fisher, right? Is you got to play D. So um, and I, I could jump a little bit back in them days, right? So I got a couple of steals, right? A couple of bangs, right? You know, trying to rip the ring off, right? You know, I'm, I'm here sort of thing. And um, God rest his soul, Tony Hansen thought, this is this is enough for me and signed me. And then being involved around that, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you now. I went from my, my professional contract, right? It's probably more than what some guys are getting now, right? But my professional contract was a £32 um, a month bus pass, right? And a free pair of Adidas. That's what, that's what I got the Birmingham Bullets at, at, at 19, right? And um, I went to Gateshead, right? And I got, um, well, as much Adidas as I, as, I could, as I wanted, but I got £250 a week, right? So I went, and, and I was, this, this ended up being two weeks after my 20th birthday. And um, and I think from, from then, being around it, right, and watching everybody and, I was like, you know, I kind of, kind of, kind of like how this is. I, I, ne- I hardly ever came back to Birmingham because we had access to a court whenever we wanted, access to weight, for, weight facilities. Not that I ever lifted weights. I kind of dabbled, you know. As you, as you do when you're young, ah, nah, 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 I'll go play, right? Um, and I, I, I just, it just kind of snowballed on from then. And the more and more I got involved because Sunderland was just around the corner. And obviously, you know, watching Ross Saunders play basketball in Birmingham. And then I go up to Newcastle, and it's 10 miles away in Sunderland, right? You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's weird. And, you know, I played basketball with, um, against, um, as kids, with Steve Nelson. I mean, up being my teammate in um, 1990. And Steve Bucknell in the 15s, again, my teammate in 1990 with Sunderland. So it was, it's funny how I used to watch, um, what's his name, um, Peter Scattenbury, when he played for Bracknell. And he's my teammate. You know, so it's, you know, as you, know, as you get higher up, higher up the level, you know, the game gets... Yeah. The circuit gets got a lot smaller, right? Yeah, so, but it's, yeah, when I moved up there, I was 85. I really decided that, you know, right, I, I could I could, I could, could get into this a little bit more. I was going to say, you kind of ended up, you know, even though sort of now, like I said at the start, you're very much synonymous with, with Birmingham, you were very much adopted by the Northeast, uh, you know, and I've heard you talk about that for, you know, you were there for, what, 20, 20 years in the end, like around that sort of area. Um, what do you think kept you there? Rather than sort of dotting around and stuff. Well, first of all, I got married, so that that was that was the first thing. <laughs> you know, as you got right, the, the plan was to go to to to, to Gateshead. I always say Newcastle because most people know where Gateshead is, right? Yeah. So I, I went to Newcastle, and um, how it happens is like, so I'm, I'm going to try and go down and play for Brunel or Brixton. That that was my thing, right? And um, then everybody at when we you know when we that that season finished. Everybody left, and I'm left by myself. So the first thing I thought, you know, you had Cat Johnson, God bless his soul, Kurt Xavier, um, Gary Smith, Tony Hansen, Sam Ellis. Oh, God. All those guys, they all left. I mean, Cat um, never played. Cat played for the original Newcastle team, which played in Eldon Square, right? I forgot what they were called, Newcastle, whatever they were called, right? But... Um, there was there was Gateshead and there was Newcastle and there was literally you know how it is like um, mile mile and a half apart maybe two right from centre to centre right and um, 
Gary went down to, uh, what's that, Cat went down to Calderdale and took half the team with him. So I'm like, I'm, I must be rubbish or something because no one's asked me, right? And that, I swear to God, that lit a, a torch under my backside. I was like, I'll show him, right? And it wasn't until he, he came back because Cat, Cat got, it was really cool. Cat, every time Cat came back to, to, um, to Newcastle, Gateshead, right? Um, and he's always called me Dave Harris, book. Right, they always used to look me up. They always used to come and find me, and we used to chat. Right, and then he said to us, "He goes, oh, we we never took you because we knew you you were kind of settled in Gateshead." That, I was like, I was like, oh, I thought you guys thought I was rubbish. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I I used to put the work in, right? You know, so um, but yeah, but that that was it. Then I I, um, I got married in nineteen ninety, um, and then just 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 from there, just. I became more established there. I, at the time, it's like, and I, I actually worked as well. I worked for sports development. So the, the, the job itself was full-time. But they also allowed me to play full-time. So I had the best of both worlds. So it's like, well, if I'm going to go somewhere else, right, and you're going to give what I'm giving here, nah, I might as well stay. But I, I swear I had access to gyms. I had access to, um, to the courts. I access to whatever I needed to, to become good at it. And also within my department, you had um, Stan Long, who um, trained Olympic athletes. We had, had Olympic runners, right? Steve Cram. I used to play for Steve Cram's a Sunday football team on a slide, right? So I used to be all around these people. And I was just immersed. I just, because like I said, I do a lot of my watching. So I used to, the first time I ever heard about creatine was from the athletes. You know, I was like, they used to talk about creatine. I'm like, what's this creatine business? Well, oh, that's a bit interesting. Tell me a little bit more. And then we had the rugby league guys. I used to hear about the academies and the rugby union and all that stuff. So for me, it made no sense going to play somewhere else when I was getting a lot of time. I was getting um, any time I wanted to practice. As many, I was getting minutes, right? I was frustrated because I'm just that type of a person, you know what I mean? Um and the money was okay. Money was okay when I got paid for basketball, and it was okay when I was getting paid for work. And I was established. You know what I mean? I, I do. I count myself as a as a, 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 a an adopted Geordie Lake. You know what I mean? Like I can understand. I, you can bring the deepest, broadest Geordie in here, and I'll, I'll understand every freaking word they say. I was. It was. It was. I'm, I'm that entrenched. The uh, so, am I? This this may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that you mentioned there you played with Bucknell at Sunderland. Was that the first year that he came back from his stint with the Lakers? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What was what was that like? How, you know, obviously, I would assume that you were aware that there was an English guy in the NBA uh, or had been in the NBA, and then he was coming back kind of... For people that weren't around in that period, can you talk about kind of what he was like as a player and uh, how it was, you know, for you guys to be playing alongside him? Well, you know, if, if I go back, you know, people are saying to me, right, who's the best play, who's the best junior players that you, you've been around and you played, right? And I go, right, well, you know, I you know, I played with Steve Buckner as under fifteen, man. He could play. There are no two ways about him. He he, he was tough. Um, Richard Midgley, boy, like, he could play. Luol Deng, right, he's nice, right. Um, you know, those those are the, the three that I, I would definitely say in my era in my time seeing face to face, no, those guys could flat out flat out on, on a different level. But Steve was like, um, Steve, oh, no, no, he, he might curse me out for saying this right. Steve wasn't a, a great shooter, right? But he was great at influencing the game. 
you know, he would, you know, everybody has that. Everybody has the opportunity to 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 be a bit hot when they shoot, right? But he would inter he would influence the game on um, like a, a, a small version of LeBron, I guess, right? Not not, not the similar type of game, but you know, he you know, he'd rebound well, he he'd shoot well, he played great defense, great defense, right? He's a great leader. He was, he was very vocal. It he, he made sense. Like when he talked, you know, I'm I'm a guy, well, especially when I played. If you're chatting far in my ear, mate, I ain't listening. You know, that, that's the city boy in you coming out. Like, man, smooth, man. What are you talking about? That's rubbish. You know what I mean? But he'd say something and you'd listen. Same with, with um, Scants. They talk. I'm like, I go back to, like, here, Mr. Bunda. It, okay, let's go. Like, you know what I mean? These people know more than I do. But he was um, quite dynamic. I, mean, I remember, um, I've got to tell you this, right? We, I forget who we played. It might have been Thames Valley, right? And Steve's coming down on the sideline, right? And the thing is, at Crowtree, right? As I, what I've got to say about Dave Elkin and Sunderland, right? The, 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 the gym was always packed. Like you'd have like 1,000, 1,500 people at every game, but regardless, who we were playing, how bad we were, always there. Like we, that was a good year anyway. Anyway, he's coming down the sideline, right? Just crossing the halfway line. Pulls up like he's got a hamstring like that. Pulls up like this, right? Everybody stops. Man, he carries on dribbling. Man, takes off, cocks it back, and dunks it right. And runs past their bench and goes ah. <laughs> but you know what? For me, this is the middle of the game, man. For me, that that summed up Steve, right? You know, he just summed up Steve. He was fun to be around. He was. He had a gr massive impact on on the on the court. And generally, wherever he went. Right, he kind of raised the, the, the level of, of, of the people around him. Right, and we, we I was lucky that year because we there was a lot of good players around who, who all had a similar impact. It's just that you know, in them days, right, the stuff that happened off the court and money. Like I say, you've got to have professional people in, otherwise, in them days of you know doing it for love, they're gone, mate. They're gone. Mate. You, you can't do that anymore, right? So you'd be able, him coming on from um, from 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 Lakers, right? That was like that was huge. I was like, damn, Steve. Like, like, so, yeah. Big. You can play a little bit. Play a little bit. <laughs> the uh, kind of when you look back on on sort of your best individual seasons or your standout kind of years as a, as a pro, kind of which ones are they and sort of what are the standout memories? I guess. Well, um, I think the, the I think the biggest one, right, was um, gosh, we we played uh, when I was playing Division One. Uh, and we played um, we played Brixton. And Brixton, we always had well, that's about Gateshead, and we always had battles against Brixton. I mean, I love I love playing Brixton. Like, for me, it was like going on, right? You know, because let's not be no bones about it, man. The um, the northeast is kind of is kind of pale, right? You know, you know. Do you know what? Latte, I, I, like I, do you know what? I saw I saw a a photo in the I think someone shared it in the English basketball history group, which was it's you and I think it's you of Gateshead, and you're the only black player on the team. Yeah, yeah, that, that was it. I was the only black guy who worked for the council. You know, listen, it, it was like that. But see, the thing is, for me, right, that that never ever bothered me, right? Because if I tell you one thing about the the, the Geordies, they love their sport, and I couldn't go anywhere, right? We we bought we bought a house, right? My, my flat, we bought flats. Me and my me and my, my girlfriend who came to my wife, we bought a um, a flat, and we must have viewed six seven flats, right? And I think. Maybe five of those. They either came to watch me play, put me to play. I taught them in keep fit, right? Or I, or I taught their kids at school. 
everywhere you go, it's like doggy man, doggy man, doggy man, doggy man. Yari doggy, yari doggy. I was, I, it, was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy, right? Um, but yeah, but the um, we we played we played Gates, we were playing Brixton, and we had um, three. And in them the days, if you if you're fouled in, in the act, no, if you're fouled in the act of shooting, and uh, no, for shooting, if you got fouled and you were in team trouble, I think it was 18 fouls at the time, something like that. You had a choice between shooting a free throw, a, a one and like a one and one, or you know you make the first one, you get the second, or you take it sideline out of bounds. And me always being like the, I'm trying to think, right? I said I'll take it out of bounds. We're up by one, but right, I take the ball out of bounds. I look to make the pass. I turned around. I see our um, our player wide open. I make a pass. Jason Smith pops out of nowhere, catches it, drives it, scores. We lose by one. Three seconds left. I'm absolutely gutted. And then, funny enough, as it happens, we play Brixton in the final of the Coca-Cola Cup in Gateshead, same season. Um, there's a big, dirty netball tournament going on. So you've got about a thousand, five, five, I don't know, it's something like a thousand women, all in fancy dress, right, sitting in the stands, right, on National Cup Day. And I have 25 at half time. I, I go off, like, to try and make up for it, right? And we win the Cup. Blah blah blah. That's all great. That that's that's one good memory. The other one is we played Derby. Uh, at my my high school, I, I had forty um, against Derby. Yeah, that that was a big game. And I think not long at maybe about a week or so after that, I got my. I'm I'm going through teletext on the um, on the TV, right? You know as you do. Remember yeah, the days? teletext. Yeah. Go Google that, right? Um, I'm going through teletext, and um, I click I click on the results, right? And it's got England team announced, and I goes down there, and my bloody name's there. I'm like, wow, right? So I'm on England, I'm in England squad, and, and it's funny enough, right? I said to myself, I'm going to take a picture of this because somewhere, someone's not going to believe me, <laughs> and this is how I found out. So I took a picture of it, and somewhere at my mum's house, there's this picture of the of the screen, an all Sony box TV, with it, and um, John Dimitri and Alan Cunningham were also on that first like, first names on the on that squad, first time in that squad as well. So yeah, that, um, them, uh, which is which is another one. I think those are the those are the the, the, the two big standouts, right? For, as, as a player, because I like I said, I was I was um, when I, I said this before in another podcast, right? When I got to twenty seven, everything just made sense to me. It just, I think, you know, when you turn the ball over, it didn't bother me. I just got into the next play. You know, everything before that used to get really frustrated. But, um, you know, I, I, when I thought I'd, I'd made it, right, there's two instances when I thought, well, okay, I belong in this league now, is when the referees stop calling me Paul and start calling me Dougie, <laughs> right? That's when, you, that's when you know, right? The Dougie, man, you can't, I'm like, you, you, you call me Dougie, all right, what's all right? So I'm going to stop cursing you now, <laughs> right? And, um, when uh, I think we played Leicester and I spoke to, to Buck after Dave Harris afterwards, right? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, man, we, we went we went a bot we're gonna triangle and two on you and Ross. Cause we knew I was like, Oh, oh, okay. Like, it's right, oh right. you because know, I could I could shoot a little bit. I was very streaky, right? And um but once I once I got hot, right, I'd I'd make all sorts of rubbish. Right. I'm not saying they're great shots, because they weren't great shots, right? But uh, once I get hot, I used to just shoot the ball a little bit, right? And I think the I think the first game um, as Newcastle Comets at back back in Gateshead, we're back to Gateshead. I've got a picture of that somewhere. Um, we played Hemel Hempstead. I, I remember I had twenty six and six threes and played the game. Gone back to where it all started, 
right from there. That was real. That was real interesting. But th those three, I, I, you know what, right? I was a bit of a knucklehead. I, I, I caused a lot of problems for people, right? But I, um, I really, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it anything in the world, man. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Are any of your games on YouTube? I wish, mate. Really? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There's um, the the one that would the one that I've been trying to find for years. And if someone's out there, right? Please send it to me because. My oldest son, Michael, right, does not remember me playing, even though I used to be at the games. He used to be at Newcastle Eagles on the court when we used to go in for the, um, for the, the team talk before the games. He was only about five at the time. He'd be hitting threes, right? I kid you not. He'd be hitting threes in front of this big, dirty crowd, and they'd be going like, yay, yay, and he'd be like hitting these threes. And then as soon as the game started, he'd be, he'd be getting pom-poms, and he'd be messing with the cheerleaders, right? He's going to hate me for saying that, but it's the truth, right? Um but the game that we played was against um, Sheffield Sharks. He went to triple overtime. It was the first year in Newcastle Eagles um, with Tom Hancock as coach. And it was um, three seconds left. We had um, a jump ball. Mike knew, right, um, got told to tip the ball back to our basket. It was only five basket. And to Chris Fight. He tipped it back to Chris Fight. Todd Cawthorn jumped in the way. Stole it, made the layup, got fouled, made a free throw, goes into overtime. I haven't played a minute yet, right? We then get into, I think it's about a minute into the game, someone else fouls out, and we had we had Ralph Blaylock, and bloody hell could he play, right? So you have Ralph Blaylock on there, right? Then I comes on. So I played the whole 50, triple overtime in minutes, right? I went from the, the hero to the villain, all in one go. So we get... Um, and if anybody, if anybody knows you at that time, right, you know, I love to shoot threes. But Tom Hancock had me shook, right? I got to, he had me shook. And we, we ran a flex cut. It came off on the baseline. There's a couple of seconds left in the first period of overtime. I shoots a shot, goes in, next period of overtime, bang, right? And the whole time I was going, going in my head, I was going, yeah, dude, you know, all the time I was thinking to myself, man, man, I should just hit, step back and hit that three. <laughs> We'd be out of here. <laughs> because the ball, the ball came in, hit the back of the rim, rattled like that and went in. I was like, if I took a step, like, that was swishy, man. Like, and them days, I'm like, I don't miss them threes, you know what I mean? And then uh, I remember coming down and I saw, was it Ian McKinney was there and I, and I was, uh, uh, John Paul Heron, he's calling Fishy, and I, I apologise to him now, right? Because I don't think I've ever told him this. I saw him in the corner of my eye and I was like, should I give it to him for a left? And I was like, nah, nah, the Rook's, the rook's gonna mess it up, right? So I came back, I, I went to uh, fake a three I went to drive past Ian McKinney and he fucking ripped me, didn't he? Right? So, I... Gah! <laughs> it kills me. Anyway, right, so... Now, if, it, if anybody finds that game, I want to be able to show that to my boy, warts and all, and show it to my, my six-year-old, right? Because my six-year-old goes like, Daddy, can we, can we go to basketball school, right? So, I want to show him that I, your daddy used to play a little bit. Wasn't, wasn't always as big as what he's now. He used to be in, sh in shape, right? So, need yeah, to, no one, dig, yeah. Need to dig up the archive footage. Yeah, yeah. Um... I'm aware of time, and I do want to talk about your coaching stuff a bit. Um, most notably, uh, Middlesbrough, uh, because there was, a, you know, that was. Maybe you can correct me, but it was one of the first academies, right? I feel like I, I briefly asked uh, Lloyd Gardner, and, and he was saying he thinks that Durham might have been the first East Durham. Um, no, no, no. The first was uh, the first was real undercover. That was with Curtis Xavier in Nottingham. Okay. Right. Which one was that? Uh, called? What was that called? That's called SN South Lakes College. Okay. Right. SN, right. My, my friend, um, my friend Des, 
says that uh, he he did it beforehand. Who's this? Des Williams. Des Williams, right? Yeah. So, but it's I, I think that if I think if you're looking, and I'm not, I'm not going to argue with Des, right? Because he, he, he'll knock me out, right? So let's just say Des was one of the first ones. But the first one that I knew of, person I knew of was was was, was Curtis, and I, I was quite um, in tune with what was going on at the time. And um, so Curtis had this, and then the year after, I had mine in. in this is '99. This is '99. So I had mine at, um, at Newcastle College. There was East Durham, and there was Curtis's at South Knox College. Those are the three, right? That we would say was official basketball academies. And then what happened, right, is that um, I then moved over to Middlesbrough the following year, yeah, and took a few of the players with me. Right, so we had um, at the time we had Michael Gale, Michael Minor. Um, oh God, who are the other two? Two guys from London. They, they'll, they'll slap me if, if they if they see this. Anyway, at, at Middlesbrough. Uh, no, so I then, no. This is at this oh, this is, is at Newcastle. Fort, okay, Fort Newcastle, yeah. in 99. And then went over to um, Middlesbrough in 2000. Yeah, and you know, and basically some of the players went with me and that's when we got like um, Carl Lay from Henry, Marlon Henry, William and Mopez, um, Kuna Chara came in late. Yeah. Um, Chris Bonson, because Chris Bonson came through my PDSD program as a, as a 13, 14 year old. So I've known Chris forever. So Chris then came over to Middlesbrough as well. And that's when I first met Creon. Me and Creon lived next door. Creon was my assistant coach. He did the under 18s. I did the under 20s. Um, and we, and we, we just went over there. So at the time there was only three. There was only three at the time. Um, I think the following year, Manchester had some sort of an academy after that, right? But you know that 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 was in that in that period that that was really it was only us that was around doing that on a on a full time basis. And that that Middlesbrough team uh, obviously made some waves, right? I'm I'm sure. I feel like that was the that was a group that you did quite well at senior level, which must have been one of the first, like one of the earlier teams as well to to be doing to be playing in, in senior competitions as basically a junior team. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll give you my reasoning behind this, right? It, it kind of went like this. Um, I always, I always believe, like, as, like I said, my, my, my teacher, Mr. Bondock, right, knew exactly what he was doing, right? So if, if you can say that me as a, as a year eight, right, teacher says, you guys are too good to play in year eight and you're going to play in year nine, right? This, year eight, there's nothing for you. Go play in year nine, league. You know, get yourself beat up a little bit. We ended up finishing third in that league in Birmingham. Birmingham then had school league was like boom, like really, really tough. So I've never forgotten that, right? So um, we we had the crew, and I'm like, man, we're going to kill everybody in the, in the on the 20 junior league, man. This is a waste of time. This is what we're going to do. We're going to play men's, right? We're going to play. I think it was Division Three at the time. We're going to play in the men's division, right? And then if you're as good as you think you are, we'll play the national cup and we'll win the national cup, right? So I want to hear. On them days, I'm you know I'm like. Three years out from playing, right? You know, I'm playing very much on mine. I was like, I don't hear no chops, don't chat no far. If you're as good as you think you are, bring it. Otherwise, shut up. Like, you know, because, you know, you, you get like all those guys from London, the banter from London, from Birmingham, from Manchester, from Newcastle. The banter was absolutely out of this world, right? So I used to just keep trying to keep them all in check. It was like trying to keep a herd of horses, man. Everybody's darting over the fence, whatever it is. Anyway, listen, at some point, I'll tell you some stories that used to happen, right? But I can't tell you online, right? Because I, I felt like a flipping the head teacher, right? Trying to keep everybody in check, right? Anyway. Um, so we, we did that, right? And I remember we didn't have a good start at all. And um, we um, we lost our first three games 
And then I, I, I sat down and I had a, a big heart to heart with him, right? And um, I said, you, you, you guys haven't done anything. You haven't won anything. Yeah, you play for England, you do this. But yeah, so what? What, what have you won? What have you won? What have you actually done? I came at them. Um, and then we went on a 16-game winning streak. And this is in the men's division. We were, we were, we were caning everybody, right? And um, for, for me, the, the, the biggest... Um, the, the biggest thing I can always take away from all of my coaching career was like like this, and I hope it. I hope this recognizes what not what I did, what the team did, right? We played the former university on a Saturday night and beat them by sixty-five. These men's right, like, average age for about seventeen and a half, eighteen, right? Beat by sixty-five. Sam, they were thirty up going into the fourth quarter. I put on a freaking show, mate. The ball didn't touch the floor. The ball did not touch the floor. Yeah, Keith Jarrett came up as well. Keith did a hell of a job as well. And um, then we, we got straight after that game, we drove straight down to Nottingham, right? And um, we went to play in the under-20 national finals against London Towers. And I ain't, I'm, I would say straight up, we smacked them by 28 in the final, right? I think, I don't know if, I don't know if Kieran got the MVP or anything, but we smacked them up in the final, right? Then four hours later, right, the same team played in the trophy final, played against Bristol, right, and lost by 15. Right, now you tell me where, where any team can play three games in three games, three, two games in two days, right? And we only lost it. You know, no, we, we might have lost that game, right? But, you know, they, the guys ran out of steam, right? Um, but, that, I mean, for me, that achievement there, right, is... Unheard of, you know, like this. And I was, no, no, you know, different team, and not like that. That same under 20 team right there had a four hour, like a three hour rest, were back on the court to play in another final. That that doesn't happen, right? So, you know, then we um, we finished second in that league. We lose um, the, I think, while we was down there, Manchester um, beat, or no, somebody beat, Manchester beat somebody. And if they'd have lost that, and they won on a, on a on a banked three, right? If I remember hearing correctly, and if they'd have lost that game, we would have won Division Three men's at that top that time. But then we went down and we played um, Bristol in the semi-finals of the playoffs, and um, Kieran we had a, we had a practice game for him. Kieran Chara popped his ankle. Um, Kinde Roberts popped his ankle in the game. Wayne Robinson popped his ankle in the game and we ended up losing by 15 again, right? Um, and at the time, I was, I was assistant coaching with, uh, with Teesside. So, you know, 10 guys, Teesside were just rolling over everybody. So we then go to Coventry to play with, T with Teesside to, to play the playoff finals, uh, the yeah, champion playoff finals. And the, the Division Three playoff finals was played before us. And you had Bristol versus... Um, Dudley at the time, right? And Dudley have only lost twice all year to us. And I still look back and I think to myself, oh, yeah. It should have been Teesside uh, Mo Mohawks and Middlesbrough College Mohawks should be there on the same day playing it. Because like, you know, we, we knew what we had then. Um, but some of, the, some of the basketball was played then. And then, funny enough, right the year after, when like, most of the guys went off to the States or whatever it is, um, I didn't have a great team, 
Um, but we ended up um, making the under 20. And, and for some reason, the, the, the college said we're not going to play men's. So we played the under 20s. And we didn't have, we didn't, just didn't have the talent before. But I think probably my better coaching job was, was getting those kids together. And we ended up losing to um, Waleed Mamouni and Steve Vier. I think it was. Who, who did he play, who did he play for at that time? There were, was with juniors, there Jack, was e- yeah, there was Ealing. He was Ealing Tornadoes, yeah, right? Ealing. Yeah, yeah. And um, so our biggest, our biggest fear was was, was Steve here, right? And I was like, in his arse, in his arse, double team, all the rest of it. Do not let him get off, right? Same so if he goes up by fifteen, they bring him back in the first half. If he goes up by fifteen, the second half they bring him back. There's a few. Um, I think, I think it was, I think it was either a point up or tied or whatever. I can't know what it is now, right? But when he gets the ball in the three point nine. And I always tell my guys, don't jump on the fake. Do not jump on the fake, right? Shot fakes, my guy. Takes off, drives right down the air, on the buzzer. And the, the killer for all of that, right, we had, we had the coaching staff from Duquesne was down there watching the game, right? And um, they were, I remember them saying, like, you know, that, that zone I played was illegal. I shouldn't have to play that, that, play that zone. We had a really, had a really nice... One three one trapping amoeba zone that used to just mess people up. No, sorry, not one three one. A one two one one half court amoeba zone used to just. These guys played to perfection. So we uh, we, we we were playing games. I was like, what do you want to do? We want to want to what do I call it? Arrow. We want to want arrow coach. They used to, we used to want it full court, half court, um, three point nine. Just kill teams with it. They just could never never get around it for two years. Yeah, but that. That that time there was really really good, really, really good time. Look look a lot because at that time, right, Sam, because there's no real full time junior coaches, you kind of like learn as you went along. Like you know what I mean? It's like um, and, and like I, I I was still involved with the uh, England on the 16s, right? Um, so the experience of being in Europe as well as what I, I, I learned as a player and all this that, right? I just took all of that and said, let's try this, let's try that, let's try this. You know, so it was it was good fun, good fun. So uh, I briefly spoke with Kieran Achara and I asked him <laughs> I asked him for any good stories and uh, he recapped at practice the craziest that he's ever seen you go. And I don't know whether you can remember this without me prompting, but you were trying to run a play and Keith Jarrett did something. Oh, two back, smack, smack two backboards. <laughs> tell, us, tell, us the, tell us the story because it sounds hilarious. <laughs> I've never heard anything like it. No, no, so we, um, we had... Um... Middlesbrough were good, man, because they put two new backboards on and two new rings, right? They're real, real nice, right? They, you know, like you could, you know, when you walk into a room, you can still smell the paint, right? Like you, you can still smell the freshness of the of the of the perspex on the backboard. So um, he he, co- he comes up, right? And he, he um, I think we we throw him at alley or something. He goes up and he, he, he I don't know if he dunks it or he misses it. Anyway, he holds on the ring, freaking ring, the, the backboard, like always like this, like a big. Joker smile. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like, because them days, I just go crazy. Writes it. That's no more, no more dunks. That's that's it. We're done. Next freaking play down the other end. Guess what he does? And I remember he missed that one. The throws down that play, does the same thing, same crap in the backboard. I goes off. I goes absolutely up because I'm thinking, like, they paid all this money. I'm going to get grief. But what, I'll tell you one thing though, <laughs> he had to be there. I'm surprised he got that one because there's a lot more story. <laughs> the time when I locked the gym, I locked the gym and said, No one's getting out until I, you get peace of my mind. Like, it's right. I was like, this. No one's getting out. 
um, I had to then go and get the, the, the guy who's head of the estates came across, right? And he goes, um, your, your, your players were abusing our, our, our facilities. I was like, what, what, what about? He goes, well, you just had these backboards put on your crap backboards. I'm like, well, actually, they're the wrong backboards and the wrong, the wrong type. No, 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 no. We played hex up money for this, right? I said, do you understand physics? And he goes, and he's like, yeah, look at me like this. I says, okay, so that rim's 10 foot off the floor, right? This player's coming at approximately about 25 miles an hour, right? And he's about a foot above the rim, okay? Because he's telling me that the, the, the ring can take something like 200 whatever pounds of force, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I says, so is the force of him coming up at that speed, him being that height, and then moving the ball down that speed, is that equal 200 odd pounds of force? And he goes, <coughs> I think we might have the wrong backboards. <laughs> wrong rings. And I was like, you guys owe me. You got the replay. But yeah, that was, um, that, yeah, that was it. We, we, listen, Kieran, Kieran we, had, uh, we, had, we had some jokes. We had some jokes. And that, we, used to, we used to do all the video analysis and stuff in the, in the um, we used to go around to each, each player's um, house. I mean, you know, the old VHS stick in there, right? And yeah, this and quite, it, it, was, it was so much. Because I'm, I'm only, hang on, 35. 35. I'm only 36, right? You know what I mean? I've literally just finished playing basketball. Right? I'm 36. These guys, so I, I see myself as not being much older than these guys. I, I find it hard to blur the lines between I'm your coach and over your friend because we used to go clubbing and the guys with it. How you doing, fellas? Like, that sort of thing, right? So, you know, we've walked out there like that, that doesn't happen now. The coach is not at the, we, we can go to meals, but we, we definitely go to the same clubs. Not that club anymore. Yeah, there was there was there was some jokes there. The other the other the other good Dougie story. Um, briefly spoke with Jamel and well, Jamel spoke to Kieran uh, Kieran Wright as well to come back to me with, with uh, <laughs> any good Dougie stories that were. And they they spoke well. There was two. They spoke about a, a, a tour in Wales that they loved because uh, you had McDonald's every single meal. But the other the other story that was great was that um, supposedly with a team, I don't know which group it was at Nottingham. You made them go and shower because you said you need to talk to them. Whatever they they came out, you gave them a talk. Uh, like they, well, they're, they're at practice, went and showered, came back to give them a talk, and then you made them all go change again, and then carried on practice again. Yeah, I, I don't remember that one. Ah, oh. no, I don't remember that one. But it, it definitely sounded like something I would do. <laughs> Amazing. It, it, it something I would definitely do. There's this, there's, there's there's so many. The the. Uh... The other thing I just want to quickly talk about before before we uh, finish, when, when I was looking at your CV, there was, well, in fact, there's a few a few different things. One was the the Nike Millfield camps and the, the ABC Adidas camps, which I've heard loads of people talk about, um, but I don't know a lot about. Like, kind of, what, what were they uh, and how do they work and why do they stop? Oh man, it's huge. I mean, you you, you talk about um, I don't know what what was the biggest camp um, when you were growing up. I mean, I don't even know. I, I wasn't really aware of the national stage. Like, so I was, I grew up in Eastbourne, right? So the, the, the big camp for me down yeah, there was the Brighton Bears camp. Like, that was the one yeah. that everyone, everyone went to. Um, but I've, you know, like, obviously, since I've been covering this, the, the Millfield stuff and the ABC one, I, I hear a lot of people speak about. Like, and yeah, I just don't know a lot about it. Okay, well, um, um, I'll, I'll talk with you, the ABC ones, the Adidas ones to start with. Because it's funny, right? Because I did both. I did Adidas. I, every summer, did Adidas and the Nike ones. Right? Yes. Yeah. And um, the, the, the Adidas ones, right, was probably the, the, the first lot I get, because that's what that's I learned all most of my coaching. There's, there's no real coaching clinics, anything like that, right? The coaching staff down there were amazing. You got to see everybody from all over the place. Um, we'd be talking to like four, four, five o'clock in the morning. 
about, you know, coaching systems, you know, playing, all the rest of that. Right? They'd be on the floor at 7 o'clock, ready to take the, the next group, ready to go. Um, but the Adidas camp was, was basically um, 250 kids a week for, well, I, I know it started off. I went to the first one, which wasn't Adidas, um, and the second year, which was, and I think it's like, like two weeks, then three weeks, then four weeks, then five weeks of the summer holidays, and you literally get 250 kids each each week. Crazy. And the third week, um, when you talk unofficially, the third week of the ABC camps are all the best players went to. Right? So, if you know, if um, I had a guy called James Nickerson. This, this play, he's probably one of the, f- the few names... He, he should be right up there, one of the, the, the best young talent, especially out in the East, right? Flat-out play, flat-out play, right? And um, a couple of guys, and it's like, okay, they're coming down. They need to come to week three because then you've got everybody who's anybody came down to that week. The competition was off the charts. Was it invite? Hmm? Was it an invite-only camp? Or... No, no, you, don't, you had to pay. You had right. to pay, right? But, but all the best were... players would come. Yeah, but all the best. If you're going to pay to come, you need to come week three, right? You kept you kept that you kept it open, and um, and ju- just the the how's how how's the best way to put it? Um, ABC was very grimy, very street, very relaxed, very you know city. It's kind of like very city. Well, I found Millfield very prim and proper, right? They had to do this and had to do that and you had to do this and you had to, but each had their own, you know, best of bet. I loved the organisation at Millfield, right? Especially though you come, okay, so I'll be at a, a Nike, uh, I'll be at the ABC camp one week, right? I, I literally go drive back up to Newcastle, right, and then drive straight straight down to Millfield, right? And that right, which you know, you know, that's a hell, that's a hell of a drive, and um, but the I remember playing Steve Nash one and one at, um, at, at Millfield, right? But then at the ABC camps, you had um, Kobe Bryant's dad was there when they were giving that free um, free Adidas stuff. You got Kobe's brand new shoes, the ABC journeys. Um, I remember Oliver Roller being there. Um, Midgley was there. Um, very young, if, if I'm correct, very young. Um, Andrew Sullivan was there. Drew Sullivan was there. And at the time, you didn't realise how many people actually won. It was like very much because I know um, Curtis, um, it was run by Curtis Xavier, Curtis and Joel White were real tight because they played in the same England team together. Right? So they had a lot of the players just come up and down that way. But Millfield was, Millfield was again, was, was very good in its own right. Um, I know that the, the reason with, oh, sorry, and the, at, the ABC camps was at Loughborough, Right, when they had the was it, I forgot the, the, the free three court facility. I forgot what it's called now. Well, the actual name, of it. but that was Northern Ireland's on basketball. That was it. That was the first the first event that was held in there. Um, funny enough, right? Um, the story I got for that was uh, they, the, the the staff was complaining there was black marks on the floor, and they were blaming the players. And it was like, no players, ain't, you know, players aren't playing that right. If they do a bit of research, ends up it's the referees not wearing basketball shoes, got black shoes. Marking up the floor, it's like now you may go apologise to those kids. Like, I know the kids were doing nothing wrong, um, but yeah, the the I I enjoy I enjoyed both. I really did enjoy both. Um, I think I think with Millfield, I think Nike pulled their sponsorship as they, as they do it goes around in, in circles. Nike pulled their sponsorship or, or 
um, scaled back. And um, I think with the Adidas one, um, that um, I think the university wanted to take it all over and do it that way. And I always feel that when you take away the people, the experts who do it before, you can do a better job. That, that, that's the, the first nail in the coffin. Um, let's just say um, um, academic leaves. <clears throat> but anyway, let's, let's not talk about that too, too much. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but um, I, I also, the, the, the European All-Star Camp, uh, the ABC, was at Loughborough with Tony Parker was there. We had um, Pesic, the coach, and, oh, God, who was, it? Who was who were the two NBA players? Ty, is it Tyrone Thomas? Tyrone Thomas, I think, was there. And somebody, Jermaine O'Neal, as yeah. a rookie. I remember sitting down there. And I, it's, 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 you see it on TV, you could not write this. So there's a dunk competition going on, right? Everyone's getting ready to do the dunk competition. I've got my camera like this, right, video recording it, right? Okay. Beep, 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 beep. Battery one's out. <laughs> Got, got, got nothing, got nothing. Yeah, but yeah, Tony Parker was there. Uh, I forget which other NBA players were there, right? You've seen, seen those players as, as Tony Parker 14, right? But seeing those seeing those players there and seeing that level of competition with players around the world, you, you, you don't get to see that there. And that was held at Loughborough, oh, wow. right? The European, they had everybody was down there. It was, it was excellent. Then, them days, you didn't go to any other camp. Any other camp was inferior. Yeah. It was, you either went to Nike. I went to Adidas, or if you had money, you you did both. Then the 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 final thing I just want to talk about before we wrap up was uh, was UK Elite uh, basketball. Like so, so that funnily enough, that was the first time I came across you. Uh, Two thousand nine, Street to Elite was one of the first events I filmed um, in Edmonton. I think it was Edmonton, somewhere, somewhere like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, UK Elite like that was was I didn't realize that you were a co-founder of that. Um, and involved with that. So kind of what was the idea behind that and kind of, uh, I guess, talk about kind of what you did over those two two years-ish that it ran, two, three yeah, years yeah. that it ran? Yeah. Well, basically, right, uh, I, I, was, I was approached and it, it just so happened, there's a, a conversation, someone reached out to me, right, and, and we, we just got talking, right? And then it's the days of Blackberry, right? So, you know, Blackberry, you know, Blackberry Messenger, hi, how you doing, all the rest of that sort of stuff. And, you know, Mike Baptiste, right? And we we kind of like hit the level, obviously, he knew Joe and all the rest of that sort of stuff, right? And that was like the common link and we got talking. And, you know, I've always been quite passionate about, I wouldn't say maybe vocal, I could probably have been a little bit more vocal about this, I think, in hindsight, but if you're in, our theory was, if you're in and around national teams, you're someone's taken care of, right? You've got training, <clears throat> you've got competition, you've got that, blah, 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 right? But if you're not in that, your son is dead, really. Where, where do you play? What competition do you do? Blah, 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 right? So, you know, the, the conversation got more and more in depth, right? And what we decided to do was um, to... Um, create some way of finding the 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 best of the not best if you know what i'm saying right so the the players are not deemed to be the best to go to the national teams who are the best of them and uh, what happened right is i came up with uh, a combine um series right so we had um i put together i think it was 11 um different disciplines with scores i did a lot of research on this so hell of a lot. i spoke to um Chip Schaefer at Lakers, 
um, about it. He was the um, um, director of play development. Um, Rich Shoebrooks, who I think he was global development at Nike. A um, couple of people in the, in the EuroLeague, a couple of GB athletes, all the rest of that, you know, like, because I wanted, what is the, like I said, my, my background is athletics. So um, I used to walk into the, into the school gym, look at 100 metres, look at my time. Yeah, I'm good, I'm world class. Right, you know, this or our national class, or now I need to be a little bit of work. There's nothing really that with basketball. So my aim was to create so uh, a, a a international norm, right? So um, through trial and error, I came up with eleven dis- 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 disciplines, and what we had was a um, uh, a national kind of trial that was held at Jesse Boo, and we had Carl Brown, Steve Bucknell, Bob Martin, um, Dave Harris, myself. I think there may be a couple of those. I can't remember. Those are the main ones. Um, and, um, Clive, uh, Clive Allen. And basically, I put everybody through these tests. And what happened, right, it's the same one I use at Birmingham Knights. And then what happened, right, is um, the players had um, got a score, a minus or a plus score. And he went for... And my, my re- reason behind it was that if, if I could do it now, that's a zero. That's average, Right. So everything above that in, in that norm would be a plus one, a plus two, or a plus three, or a minus one, a minus two, and a minus three, depending on what your score was. So what we did is we, we picked the players based on what their score was after that combine day, right? And he went, I think we had 70-odd players turned for the, the first day, and I think we had another 30 you know, on, on, on another trial down in, down in London. Um, and so, you know, it kind of like snowballed on from there. You know, we got the players together, we worked with them. Like Mike was very good with his... Um, with his marketing, we have people we have from um, Xbox, Adidas, you know, the kids got the shoes, got the, the outfits, all that stuff. We had 12 players, played in a tournament. And, I mean, Andrea, a coach that team, played in a tournament in France, won that, won that tournament in France. Um, and remember, we, we, we went down, we played against, I think it was the first year of the GB on the 20s. Yeah, in Essex. And we went down to, yeah, went down to there and played them down there. And I think, um, you know, I remember asking a question, you know, why, why am I doing this? And he goes, well, we know where all the best players are. And I was like, no, you don't. I think that you need to get away from that. You don't know where the best players are. Because there's, there's, there's players out there who've never got a chance. There's players. I've got players now who I'm working with, right, that people will say, right, um, he's no good. And I'm like, give him two years. Because you don't know who this kid is. He's a late bloomer, right? But look, I've been around basketball a long time. This kid can play a little bit. But because he's not he's in the system, they're not deemed to be any good. It's bollocks. It's, 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 it's absolute rubbish. There's got to be a way how you can get back onto the system. And that's what UK Elite was, was about. It's about giving those people another platform to, to prove themselves. Right. So we ended up having, uh, we had a camp down in, um, um, oh, what was it, place? Um, Stock Mandeville. We had a camp down in there. We did a couple of tournaments. Right. And it just kind of, just kind of like ran its course, I think, in the end. Right. Um, in the, the partnership with me, with me and Mike. But, um, but I look, I look, I look, I look, at it as a probably the first real national events that I had an opportunity to be to shape and to mold to how how it how it was um, how I wanted it to be, but it, it was it was it was good fun, right? Yeah. It was good, and I think as a result of that is you know where I want to go now with what I do with my building the athlete program and all the rest of that sort of stuff, right? It kind of all like coincides with a whole lot, right? But um, yeah, it, I, I think that we we've got to get over the fact, right, that. Um, Oh, sorry, let me retract it, right? One of my theories was that you shouldn't have picked 15 players and those 15 players pick themselves. 
there's got to be 115 players behind him knocking at the door. Until we get to that stage, I don't think you can really say that we're a powerhouse in basketball. You've got to have a much bigger depth of players in each position. Who, I'm not saying you've got to know what they, you've got to know what they're doing, but they've got to have a, a skill set, which is, and that's that was my whole thing with the um, with, the, with the combine. If you can, you may not agree with what's on there. You say, well, what's this rubbish, right? And I'm like, okay, you go get your player to do this and get this score, and then tell me if it's good enough. Because mm. I know if he's making, um, Steve Levin did the, the three-point shooting competition, which is the start, you know, like a corner, point, corner, wing, wing, corner, point for, for 60 seconds. He hit 15 in 60 seconds, right? Are there anybody out there to go and try and do that? You know, there's, a re there's two rebounders. But I did to make 15 threes in 60 seconds. It is hard yakka. And you have to make you have to shoot a minimum of 11 shots. So everything we did to at the highest level, right, I put through the top athletes to say, is that too easy? Is that too tough? Is that about right? I spent about a year doing a lot of research, right? And there's things like um, the Illinois, the, the Illinois test, the um, um, the lane agility that I did, like Illinois with a dribble, I put that in myself. Mm. I put, you have to put the ball through your legs. So I know putting the ball through your legs is quite hard to do. Not everybody can do that, right? Um, Three-quarter spring. I put some stuff that, you know, that's traditional. And then I put some other stuff that made sense as a coach and as a player. And I create some stuff that made sense as a coach as a player. So for you to get a high score in that, I'll, 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 I'll tell you right now. I, I know I'm not talking rubbish. For you to get a high score in that, you are skilled. Not only are you skilled, you are fit because you can't do the two, the two can't be separate. The two have to go hand in hand. So, you know, I, I thank the opportunity to have with the UK League to actually sit down and go through that, create that. And I've, and I've got, um, who's the who's the guy that was at Leicester um, and ended up signing for Bristol? The guard, he went to the States. Stocky dude, dark skinned guy. What's his name? Raphael? Raph Thomas Edwards. Yeah, yeah. He, he got the high score. He originally got the high score right from there. I think he got something like a plus uh, plus 18 or that and stuff. But he, he, he stood out a lot in that way. He was a man-child. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. All right, look, we, got, we need to wrap this up before two hours, but let me just do some real quick-fire questions so try and keep your responses relatively short. Uh, okay. So, starting with um, your favourite basketball memory. Personal? It can be playing or coaching, just your favourite one. Um, playing, um, oh God, Samuel Baffs, um, Westminster's Cup final, Steve Nelson hits um, two free throws to put them up by one. Um, I get the ball from the baseline, passes to me, jump to the half a line, Steve tries to block me, I score from the half a line to win. Yay! Amazing. <laughs> Uh, best British player you've played with or against? With British player. With. With or against? Steve, Steve um, no, best best British player. Um, um, sorry, Steve. Peter Scantlebury. Best player you've coached? Oh, there's a lot. Um, Kieran, Kieran Char was up there because once we got over the things he couldn't do, he embraced what, what I what I asked him to do. Right, he was good. James Nicholson was an absolute talent. Right, let them two up there. Yeah, Carl from Henry was one of my favourites as well. Yeah, 
And then removing removing Brit from it, best player you've played with or against that isn't necessarily British? Um, I will go with or against Ralph Blaylock. Right. Uh, Russ Saunders, who's influenced me over many years. Um, I learned a lot from him, but Ralph Blaylock, bloody hell, he, he's crossed over right or left. Was 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 nasty, right? And a shout out to to Nigel Lloyd, who um, scored thirty on me in a game when I played for Sunderland, and decided to tell me about my backside and every point. I'm not going to tell you the words that he used, <laughs> but he was like, eh, eh, "Dog, eh, eh, dog," the whole the whole night, the whole night. Uh, but yeah, rough rough play lucky. I, I think because. Um, Every day in training, he was just a handful. I used to the, the challenge him, guard him every day, every day, handful. Yeah. And then looking to the future, uh, in the next five years, biggest thing that you want to achieve in basketball, obviously. I, I want. Um, I, I'll use a generalization. I, I hope that the programs that I create are involved with, right, um, gives the basketball, no matter who you are, no matter what level you're at the information that you don't have now to be able to go through you can get anything you want on, on the internet now right but to actually sift through so it makes sense to you right is, is is a nightmare i want to be able to provide um quality provision for anybody coming to birmingham to come to the facilities to use equality shoot machines very maxes the whole nine yards that you know we have a training facility in birmingham that the basketball um community can access and through my programs and events um, stuff that the that anybody can go and use and be as informed as if you were playing in the pros. Perfect. That's a that's a yeah makes perfect sense. That's a perfect place to leave it. Dougie, you've been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, and all the best uh, for the coming years. No man, thank you very much for inviting me. I thought you might have been scraping along the barrel to give me a shout, right? But I've always, I've always enjoyed, man. And Sam, I'll say this now, man. Right, you keep doing what you do. Right, as I say to you, the kids. I may not be around, but Uncle Dougie's watching, mate. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Psst. Hey, podcast listener. Bet you weren't expecting to hear from me again. Now that you've listened to the show, please take two seconds to take your podcast player out of your pocket and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be massively appreciated and goes a long way in helping us spread this content far and wide. Literally take your phone out of your pocket right now. Uh, open up your podcast player. Go to the Hoops Fix podcast. You'll see the option to leave a rating and review. Drop us a five-star if you love it. And uh, if you could take two seconds just to write a review as well, it would be massively, massively appreciated. Thank you and speak to you next week. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.